Well, good morning again. In May of this year, a pilot and his passenger were traveling from Bahamas to Florida. And the pilot looks over to the passenger and says, I'm not feeling well. Shortly after that, the pilot slumps over the controls and puts the aircraft in a nosedive. This 8,000-pound aircraft is moving over 200 miles per hour in the wrong direction. And the passenger doesn't panic, but instead he grabs the controls and then begins to call on the Fort Pierce air traffic controller line. He begins to talk, and he's still 30 miles offshore. And this is what he says. I've got a serious situation here. My pilot has gone incoherent. I have no idea how to fly this airplane, but I'm maintaining at 9,100 feet. That was pass passenger Darren Harrison. At the time, there was an air traffic controller by the name of Robert Morgan that understood this plane. But he was out at lunch. The air traffic controllers go run into the cafeteria and say, hey, we got a serious situation here and we think you might be able to help. They explained to him what the situation was, and he goes into the office. He prints out a copy of the instrumentation for a 208 caravan aircraft, non-passenger. He prints it out, goes to the air traffic tower, and begins giving instructions to the passenger. And this is what he says calmly. Okay, I need you to try to hold on the wings level and see if you can start descending for me. Push forward on the, on the controls and descend at a very slow rate. He then ordered all of the planes to be cleared from the run runway at Palm Springs International Airport. The passenger is now flying this plane and he's listening to specific instructions. The pilot is blinded through this whole situation. He has no control, and so he's at the mercy of the passenger and the air traffic controller. The passenger listens to specific details, and he follows instructions to a T, and he lands this plane safely. The pilot is then rushed to the emergency facility where he undergoes emergency open-heart surgery because he had a torn, torn aorta. Later on, uh, Darren Harrison, he is interviewed, and he says, it was nothing but the hand of God that kind of got me through that situation. He even said that, I mean, the story is a miracle after a miracle, really. But we're in a series that we've entitled, Yes, You. And today we're going to look at two unlikely companions. One is blinded and has no control over his situation. The other can see, but he doesn't know where to go or what to do. We're going to look at the story of Ananias and Saul. So today I'd like to share with you a message that I've entitled, Flying by Faith. Flying by Faith. You know, God has a divine assignment for anyone that becomes a part of his family. And that divine assignment is going to require you to pay attention to some specific instruction. You're going to have to adhere to it because your life might depend on it and other people around you's life might just be dependent on it. So I want you to listen up today because I believe that God has some instructions just for you. 
So are you with me? Amen. Amen. Let's just open up with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, God, for giving us instructions in your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in us so that we might understand it and that not only be hearers of your word, but be doers also. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9 today, so if you have your electronic devices or Bibles, I just want to invite you to now turn to Acts chapter 9. The book of Acts could also be called as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because in the book of Acts, we see that after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's these ordinary men who do some extraordinary things with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 7 and 8, we are introduced to this character by the name of Saul. Saul is like a villain. He's a member of the Pharisees, and he's one of those leaders. The Pharisees was this religious Jewish sect that adhered to a strict code of the Jewish laws. And Saul was a different kind of character because he relentlessly went after those who believed in the teachings of Jesus. His intent was to have them arrested, tried, and executed. This man was seen literally going into people's houses, going from house to house, dragging men and women out into the streets, making sure that they were arrested. Saul was a zealous obsessed persecutor of the Christian church, and his intent was to travel all over. He was willing to go miles, a distance, to make sure that this persecution continued. At the same time, Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, and Jesus decides to make a cameo appearance to Saul as he's on his way to Damascus. He's on the Damascus road, and Jesus comes to him in a bright light. In this bright light, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul collapses. The soldiers that are with him, they hear this muffling noise. They don't really see the light. But they see Saul collapse. When they pick Saul up from the ground, Saul can't see. He's blind. So they literally hold his hand and take him into Damascus and leave him at a, one of the residents' home. So now we have the villain of Christianity blind at a stranger's home. He's not eating. He's not drinking anything for three days. He is dying to himself. And he is in desperate need of heart surgery. Meanwhile, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, look at what the Lord is doing. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Now, before this passage, we really don't know anything about Ananias. He's not a pastor. He's not an evangelist. He's not an apostle. He's a disciple, which means that he is a follower of Jesus. And during that time, this movement was called the way. And we just know that he was a follower. But he hears the voice of God. He snaps to attention like a soldier and says, here I am. Look at what God says in verse 11. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him. 
to the house of Judas and asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Since he's praying there, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Saul's reputation apparently preceded himself. The believers that lived in Damascus were anxiously preparing for this persecution that was going to come by the hands of this man named Saul. So Ananias is thinking to himself, wait a minute, uh, Lord, maybe you didn't get the memo or the email, but this guy here is out to harm us and not to help us at all. But God's fully aware of the situation. And we know that because of the instructions that he gives Ananias. He doesn't say just go to any street. He says go to straight street. He says just don't go to anybody's house. I need you to go to Judas's house. He says, I know exactly what Saul is doing right now. He's praying. I even see what he can see in his vision because he's blind. And what he sees is you laying hands on him. See, God has already gone before Ananias. It's important that you know that when God calls us to complete his assignment, God's already at work. If you're online right now, just type in that chat box, God's already at work. God does not call us to an assignment with not already have gone before us and started preparing and putting things in place. Verse 15, he says, but the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentile king. Israelite and Israelite, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So at this point, God has now selected someone that Ananias thinks is way out of God's reach, like not this guy here. Ananias believes he is being sent on a mission impossible. He's like, you got me going after a stone cold killer, man. What is going on here? When, when God commands us to do something and sends us on an assignment, it's not always comfortable. Sometimes we think it's simply impossible. We don't think that we can get it done, but what Ananias has to do is he has to overcome his fears and begin stepping out on faith, which leads us to our first point here this morning, that if you're going to follow God's directions and complete the assignment that he has for you, you're going to have to take some steps of faith. That's right. Take some steps of faith. So your, your journey is going to require you to take some steps. And it sounds simple, but it's not that easy when he says, take some steps and you don't know what's around the corner. He says, take a jump and you don't see the bottom. He says, go and speak for me, but you don't really have the words to say. But God says, no, I still need you to move forward. Your walk with the Lord will require faith. We are supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Somebody type that in on the chat box. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. If you have it, write it down. You should be memorizing some of these verses. It's impossible to please God actually without faith. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, right? Without faith, it's impossible 
to please God. It's going to require you to step out and believe that God is working on your behalf. Just as a pilot who is flying a flight, a flight in the midst of some inclement weather, and he can't see through the dash, he has to rely on the air traffic controller to, to, to get to a safe landing. He has to trust that he's going to provide a safe passage for him at that landing route. That's how we have to trust in God, that, that God is preparing a safe passage for you. It doesn't mean that you won't go through turbulence, though. Yeah, you might still go through some stuff. And, and even in this text, he tells Ananias that he's going to suffer for me, but I've got a safe passage for him as well. I'm still going to allow him to get to where he needs to go. Many of you are probably thinking to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm with you, but I've never heard the Lord speak to me audibly. I haven't really heard his voice, so maybe you're struggling um, with that. First, I'd like to just say to you that there's no biblical record that says that Jesus or the Lord could not speak to you audibly today. When we look at the scriptures, it's not always clear that God is speaking audibly. There's sometimes we know that he is speaking through a vision, other times he speaks to a, through a dream, or maybe what I call divine intuition, where God just moves and prompts people to do a number of things. What I do know is that God's still speaking today. How many people know God's still speaking today? Amen. You know, for me, I believe that God speaks to us through what I call divine echoes. And what divine echoes is, is that God is saying the same thing to a number of different sources that we have. One of the primary sources that I go to is the Word of God. Because in the word of God, I know that this is his words. They've been inspired by him. And so if I need to hear from God, I first go to his word and see if I can get the answer there. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17. He says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. For it is there so that the man of God might be fully equipped for every good work. See, that passage of Scripture is saying that God has given us his word so that as we are doing the work that he's, the good work that he's called us to do, he's saying, I'm giving you some instruction. I've given you some words here in the text so that you can understand what I'm trying to tell you. Another source that God speaks to us is just by coincidence. Yeah, God begins to allow circumstances to happen a certain way. Uh, I've heard people say that coincidence is really God's way of just remaining anonymous. Uh, God is, is opening and closing doors for us, and really, he's the one with the key. So when you see doors open and close, he's trying to tell you something. Another echo is, is a godly man or woman of God. Yeah, we go and we seek counsel. There's counsel. There's safety in a multitude of counselor, counselors so we can go to other people. And what I do is I go to two different godly people. And I get their, get their answer. And they've never talked to each other, but they say exactly the same thing. And then what ends up happening is, is that God begins to work in me by the power of his Holy Spirit to give me this divine intuition that says, yes, this is what I've told you to do. It's confirmation. God is still speaking to us today. I believe that many of us really do hear from God. You heard from him. You just don't like what he has to say. That's what it is. You're like, whoa, what'd you say? And then what we do is we sort of explain it away. 
Oh, that just, that man, that's just, we just rationalize. Oh, that's not God speaking to me. But we know deep down inside, God is speaking to us. He does have some instructions for us, and he wants us to take that step of faith. So the Lord explains to Ananias that he has chosen Saul as his chosen instrument. A scalpel in a child's hand is dangerous, but a scalpel in the hands of a surgeon can bring about healing. And here the Lord tells Ananias that Saul is now his chosen instrument to bring about some good stuff, to bring about some good things. And now it would require Saul to leave his life of privilege and now accept his higher calling to be used by God as his instrument. So Ananias now has to be obedient, take these steps of faith, and he begins to take this journey across town to go on Straight Street. Straight Street still exists today. It is a road that runs east to west through the city of Damascus, which is now Syria. I think I have a picture of it. You can take a look at it. If you can just imagine... Ananias stepping out, and he's walking, following directions from the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's telling him where to go, and he's walking. He finally gets to a door on Straight Street, and he knocks on the door. A person answers the door, and he's like, Judas? Right? Uh, and he's like, okay, um, is a blind man there? Right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it is. Come on in. Look at what happens in verse 17. It says, Ananias went and entered the house. Ananias follows the Lord's instructions here. He enters the house. Look at verse 17. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul. Whew, Brother Saul. That's, that's powerful right there. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The act of laying hands on Saul and saying, Brother Saul, powerfully communicates God's grace and God's love. Just imagine uh, Saul has been blind. He has been by himself, and now he feels the gentle touch of a hand and a voice that says, Brother Saul, I believe that the church should be filled with people like Ananias, people who are willing to touch those who are at their lowest point and give them a word and give encouragement and say, my brother and my sister. See, that's what Christ does to us. It was Christ that comes to us at our lowest point. The scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his love to us. And while we were still sinners or while we were yet sinners, we were a mess, blind and far away from God. He still comes to us. He dies for us. He gives himself completely for us so that we might be in a relationship with him. And by trusting in his sacrifice for our sins, we then be at, are brought into a relationship with him as his sons and daughters. So what does that make us? brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. See, the body of believers is, is crucial in advancing the kingdom. Saul prayed, and what did God do? He sent a person. He sent a person to participate in this healing process. 
See, your calling is always going to come in concert with the family of believers. Your calling is not going to be a calling of a lone ranger. He's going to bring you into the body of believers so that you can begin to walk with him. The next point that I want to share with you is that you have to take steps with family. Right? Take steps with family. And the family I'm talking about is the family of God. Isolation is a spiritual health hazard. Right? Some of us found that out during the pandemic, didn't you? You're like, this is not healthy for me at all. Because God has designed and has a desire for us to be in community together, to love each other, to care for each other, even when we're at our weakest, our most vulnerable point in life. What have you done to step into the body of Christ and begin walking with others? We've been talking about life groups for several weeks. Have you signed up for a life group so that you might be able to dive into God's word with other believers to get to be known and to know others? Let me tell you something. This is not just for you. Somebody is, is waiting for you to be a blessing to them. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't know what it's going to do for me. No, God wants to use you to be a blessing to somebody else. And you're holding back. God says, no, I need you to step forward. Is there an opportunity that you need to walk along, alongside of somebody who's serving in ministry? Have you signed up for those opportunities to serve and to learn with other believers? See, Saul was definitely stopped on his tracks on the Damascus Road. We've learned for many years that Saul's conversion happened on the Damascus Road. But when you study the scriptures, you'll see that he was stopped on his tracks on the Damascus Road, but it was on Straight Street that he became a part of God's family. It's on Straight Street that he received the Holy Spirit. It's on Straight Street that he begins to receive this spiritual transformation and physical transformation of healing. It starts on Straight Street. Are you on Straight Street? Look at verse 18. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. So Saul is blinded by self-righteousness and legalism. But by God's grace, he now can see. See, God could have restored his sight just as he had caused him to become blind. But he brings Ananias to come and be a part of this restoration. Yeah. See, God really wants us to be involved in helping us heal. We go through things in life and we struggle, but, but God says, no, I'm going to bring somebody along with you to help you through that divorce. I'm going to bring somebody along with you to help you grieve in a way that is healthy so that you might not grieve as those who have no hope. I'm going to bring somebody alongside of you to help you complete your assignment, but you can't do it by yourself because here in the text we see that Ananias comes along and he's participating in what God is doing in this healing process. It's interesting that Saul hoped to imprison Ananias, but it is Ananias that set Saul free. Saul's heart Surgery is now complete. His heart surgery is complete because he's 
his heart that was filled with pride is now filled with humility. And he's willing to now take some steps, some further steps with the Lord. See, when Saul could see both physically and spiritually, he immediately wanted to identify with the believer. And he does that through baptism. As soon as he could see, he's like, okay, I want to identify with you believers. See, before, Saul would see these believers getting baptized, meaning that they were immersed in water. And he didn't quite understand what it meant. But now he understood the real meaning of baptism. It was an opportunity to really reflect upon what Jesus has done for us. But Jesus came, he bled, he died on the cross, he then was buried, but then he was raised three days later with all power with this new body to demonstrate that his payment was good. And so when we get baptized, it's a symbolic way to show that we are now dying to ourselves. And then we're rising into this new life, this new life with Jesus and this new life with other believers. It's just symbolic of that beautiful relationship that we have with God and the family of God. And he wants to participate in this right away. See, to come... Complete your assignment, it's going to require you to also have steps or take steps of obedience. Not only those steps of faith, not only steps with, other, with others, walking with others, but it's also going to require you to take steps of obedience. In the Gospel of Luke, there's this woman who is following Jesus and she screams out, may God bless your mother, Jesus. And Jesus responds with this. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And obey it. He says the people who are going to be blessed are the people who are obedient to the words of God. See, when we obey, it's an opportunity for God to give us greater blessings in him for his glory. But when we're disobedient, um, we sometimes want still want God's blessing. And he's saying, no, it, it doesn't quite work that way. I believe that some of us are financially, relationally, and spiritually underdeveloped because of our lack of obedience. Not lack of knowledge, but lack of obedience. We know what the word says, but we're not willing to step out and do it. It's a difference. It's a big difference. So those who, when, when God tells you, to start saving and then give maybe to the church. Instead, we spend, right? Uh, instead of fasting and praying, you know, instead we eat and we play, you know? And, and instead of uh, listening to God's voice when he says, don't get into that relationship, it's going to be toxic, don't do that, we lay down with it, you know? Then there's a prayer, and then we say, okay, why is God not blessing me? And God's like, listen, I need you to owe obey. We don't even like that word obey, right? But it's a beautiful word because what it does, it becomes those barriers to help us know where we're supposed to go. It keeps us uh, obedient so that we can complete the assignment that he set up for us. Ananias and Saul. These are two unlikely companions that are flying by faith. They're flying by faith because they're now trusting in God's direction, his instruction. Saul, his name actually means to be prayed for. 
Ananias' name means to be gracious to. And so just think, Saul is praying for help, and God sends Ananias so that he might provide for him grace. See, because of this divine encounter, Saul goes on to become what we know as the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul does some incredible things. He is a phenomenal theologian. He is arguably the greatest missionary that ever lived. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. Um, the Apostle Paul gave us some of the basic foundations or underpinnings of our theology, everything from soteriology, ecclesiology, eschatology. He gives us these foundational things that we have today, but it starts out with him humbly accepting God's path for his life. It's incredible. Perhaps God is telling you that you're not behind, beyond his reach. Perhaps God is telling you that he has a plan and purpose for your life. And what he's telling you today is that it's going to require you to take some steps of faith. It's going to require you to be in the fellowship with other believers, walking with the family of God. And it's also going to require you to be obedient, to actually do what he tells you to do. And here's the thing. Not only may your life be dependent upon it, but somebody else that's sitting next to you may depend upon it. God's called us to do a work. We have to trust that he knows what he's doing and believe that by trusting in him, he can get us where we need to go. You know, we sang that song, Available. That was a new song that we sang today. And I want us to just sit into that song in just a minute here. Uh, we wanna, I just want you to worship with the words and, and think about the words on that song. And then I want to come back and I want to give you some specific instructions on how you can take some steps today. So let's stand on our feet and let's worship and then I'll come back and give you some further instructions. Yes, Lord, I 
Here I am. 
Father, that is our cry this morning. God, that you would have it all, that we would make ourselves available to you. So God, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to move through in our hearts, God. That we might say, yes, here I am, Lord. That whatever assignment that you have for us to complete, God, that we can trust it. You'll give us everything necessary so that we might accomplish it for your glory. God, help us to walk by faith. Help us to walk with other believers. Help us to be obedient to your word. God, help us today as we take some steps with you and your family. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.